Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome everybody to another brand new episode of It's My Wrestling Podcast Indie Spotlight Series. I, of course, as always, I'm your host Chris Dees. Before we get started, as always, please make sure you hit subscribe if you're watching this on YouTube and hit follow if you're listening on audio platforms. Today's guest is a man I'm very excited to speak to. You may recognize him after a few appearances here and there over the years on WWE TV, including an infamous match against Zack Ryder, which I'm sure we're going to get to, um, as well as appearing on MTV's True Life. He is the one and only rapid delivery, Mr. Rory Fox, man. Thank you so much for joining me, Rory. How's it going? Hey, I'm doing great. After our interview, I'll make sure I subscribe. Yes, yes, please do. Yeah, I think um, I like to think that my guests have all subscribed. I would hope so. Anyway, like I'd be really insulted if they haven't. Um, but no, man, let's say thank you. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for taking time out of your day to join me um, on this new series. You are my third guest on the indie series now. Um, just right. trying to shine a bit of a spotlight on on the unsung heroes of the industry. The people, maybe even though you've been doing it for a long time, like what, 22 years, I think, 21 years. Yeah, pretty close. Yeah. Something like that. So like I, I, I like to think people will at least still be familiar with you. As I said, you've you've worked in a lot of different promotions, done appearances here and there. So I'm sure there's people that are gonna recognize you. Um but but the first thing that I want to do, I want to go right back to the start, obviously, how you pretty much became known back then, which was as I said in the intro, MTV True Life, I'm a pro wrestler, the series that sort of like got you into the public eye a little bit how how did that come about like how did that opportunity arise for you because obviously a lot of the guys in that were were, were known weren't they they were I wouldn't say huge megastars but but some of them were were really well-known wrestlers so how did that come about for you being from the midwest you know in in Iowa back in 1998 there there wasn't a uh, training center on every corner so I had to do my research. I had to look into uh, Pro Wrestling uh, Illustrated, and I got this little booklet from Larry Sharp about the inner workings of professional wrestling, and I saw a list of training schools, and I saw, like, Massachusetts and California, and then I saw Les Thatcher School and Cincinnati, Ohio, and I was like, wow, I could drive there. Let me come uh, check this place out, and 
of all the schools I contacted, Les was the actually the only one that got on the phone and like talked to me and he answered all my stupid Mark questions and (laughs) (laughs) he he listened to every one of them. And I, me and my dad took a drive out to Cincinnati and I felt it was a good fit for me right away from, from the training facility. And then I, I did some research on Les. He had been around, you know, 40 years in the business and was a professional wrestler for 20 some years of it. And then he did broadcasting, everything else. And him being like five, eight, I was like, if he had a 20 some year career, he obviously was successful and he knew what he was doing. So it's like, I better go out to Cincinnati. And um, so, so when, when the, when the show came about, obviously, um, I, I think, I, I think I read something that somebody else had to pull out or, or MTV didn't want to go down that route. There was somebody else that was yeah. Problems. So how, how did they end up then selecting you? Yeah. The, the, the person that was featured on it, it wasn't him pulling out. It was MTV, like saying, we got to get out of this disaster, like right away. The, the, the one that was featured, his name was Matt Taglia. And I guess they were going to go through the training steps and have him debut in a battle Royal. And after two weeks of training, he just stopped going he was out partying. I was his babysitter a couple times. You know, he's out in the clubs every night. And I think he even pawned off the camera that they were having him in his room. Like back in the days of real world, you had you didn't use your phone. You had a camera that you would talk to and record everything for footage. And I guess he ended up pawning that off at one point. And just, just bad news. He's from Chicago. He had the silver spoon every day was wonderful. And finally MTV is like, we got to salvage this. It's like, we'll do a part of it with Matt, but we got to go another direction. And they interviewed all the different students at M- at uh, HWA. And for some reason, they liked my story being from Watkins, Iowa, population 100, being a fan all my life. I worked in a factory for two and a half years to save up for wrestling school, wherever I was going to go. And they pivoted to me. And it's like, so we saw my, some of my training steps and the preparation of getting ready for this first match. It's, it's even on video. This was one take myself and Les Thatcher going over what my gimmick was going to be and my name. I had a list of names and uh, the rest is history. So when, when the show ended, what, what was life like for you? Like immediately after that, did, did opportunities present itself? Did it, did it lead to, do you know what I mean? Like, did it lead to um, to promotions getting in touch or did you just sort of focus on independence and, and sort of like developing your developing your character more and your, your skills? Because you'd not been wrestling for long, had you at that point? Right. That was that was my debut. Yeah. And when it, when it aired, let's see. I had my debut in May of 99 and I believe it aired in September on MTV. So, yeah, I, I I'd only been wrestling for a little while. But at that point, you know, I would get recognized at Walmart or the Tri-County Mall in Cincinnati, which, you know, that was cool, signing autographs. I, I believe I even did one autograph session with Al Snow at the height of his uh, Al Snow and the head gimmick at WWF. So that was pretty cool. But, yeah, at that point, WWF was still so far from my mind. I was still just trying to grasp an understanding of professional wrestling. And I had some good veterans there to hold my hand and put me through these matches back in the day and correct things I was doing wrong. So yeah, WWF was so far from my mind at that point, at least a year of 
of wrestling on the indies before I even thought anything like, oh, which maybe I should send in a tape just to be an extra or anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, look, yeah, you say you see some veterans in there, like anybody that was working on the show, and obviously you've you've mentioned Les uh, Les Thatcher in there. So I've got to ask. Um, I know that he had Harley Race and Ricky Steamboat at his um, at his school at his facility helping out at, at various points. Did you ever get an opportunity to work with either of those? Oh, absolutely. I was a part of a three-day camp with Les Thatcher, Harley Race, and Ricky Steamboat. It was a great seminar, and I actually got to witness a Ricky Steamboat hot comeback. He would grab one of the wrestlers from our shows and take him in the ring and like, oh, okay, kids, I understand this is you guys showing fire. I'll show you fire. This is what you should be doing when you finally make your hot comeback. Not going through the motions. I mean, he's like, do anything you got to do, the hookah chuka, everything. Just, just, I want, like Les would say, I want fire shooting out of your ass. You're so fired up to make your comeback and try to win your match. And you've been getting beat up by this no good bad guy for 10 minutes. It's like, it's time to shine. And I got to see the whole Ricky Steamboat comeback, the double chops, arm drags, a drop kick. That was amazing. But, but also uh, at, at that seminar, uh, we had a Halloween show and Harley was there for that. And this was, this was a couple years later. It wasn't like my first year there. Mm-hmm. And I was a heel later on. And they had, I, after I turned heel, I called myself the original MTV superstar. I got so far away from that damn newspaper boy gimmick. And it's like the successes went to my head. And anyway, I got to judge a Halloween contest and it was between this hot girl and this little boy. And <laughs> I picked the hot 18 year old girl, the whole crowd booed and Harley goes, I don't like that. Don't do that shit. <laughs> but uh, yeah, anyway, the, the camp was just, just tremendous. Having Steamboat, Les and Harley all in one place was wow. Yeah, yeah, man. That's, that's exactly what I was thinking. Like there can't be many people that have, that have, trained or worked even if it was just for a seminar a three-day seminar like you must be one of a select few people that have had the opportunity to work with three three of the greats i mean steamboat one of the the absolute greats that's that's incredible yeah absolutely i believe i believe they took that seminar on the road up the east coast and some other places so Hmm. if you ask around there are some some different wrestlers out there that got to uh, be a part of those seminars, which were so valuable. I can't believe he didn't like you picking the girl and getting that that cheap heat. Like that seems like a Harley race thing. To well, me. it's just when Harley, when Harley was old, he was like a really nice guy, and it's like he kind of <laughs> didn't like that kind of cheap heat anymore. Fair enough. Fair enough. Back in his day, he would have definitely done that. Yeah, he didn't like me making a kid cry. <laughs> <laughs> that wouldn't. Be- that wouldn't be the, the first kid either in all my years of wrestling, let me tell you. <laughs> and yet MJF does it now, and everybody seems to think that that's great. So, yeah, I, 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 I mean, that was like me 15 years ago, but it's like I could never take it to that level with the F-bombs and everything. It's so great. I, I love MJF so much. I, I appreciate what he does. Absolutely, that is probably probably the best heel in the game at the minute. Um, you you mentioned rapid delivery a couple of times. Like, where where did where did the idea come from? That did anybody else help you like brainstorm ideas, or was that just because it's not the most common 
of, of gimmicks, is it? I know no. sort of like the 80s and 90s were more, you don't really get occupation gimmicks anymore, do you? Like back then you had like Repo Man, you had Big Boss Man and IRS and guys like that. You don't really get those gimmicks anymore. So what was it, what was your sort of like inspiration for that? You got to understand back in that era, they don't really do it now, but in that era, when you're coming right out of training school, you have no idea what your personality is. So the best way to do it, if you look at any good wrestlers in the past, they all had some type of gimmick to start. I mean, look at even Edge was a was part of a vampire crew and other things. But uh, but no, just not just any comparison there at all. But <laughs> when you first start out, you need a gimmick. You can't just be, hi, everybody, I'm Rory Fox. And I just come out in my <laughs> plank trunks and boots. I mean, they do it now all the time. But back then, you had to have a gimmick. And then once maybe a year or two into it, you start to kind of figure out who you are and then you be kind of become yourself. But in the beginning, you're just getting out there just to get on the show and get out of the damn training center, wrestle in front of fans. So, okay, give me a gimmick so I can get out there and wrestle. But how ours, ours came about was I saw a movie with Brandon Lee called rapid fire. And I'm like, that's the name. That's the name. I want to be rapid fire. So now I got to think up. I had a list of names with an R and a list of names with F. And it, it's on MTV. I, I hand this list to Les and he reads down the, the, he reads down the list. But it's like, these are just names. They're not written across like that. But he's like, Ricky Fury, Rob Faith, and all this stuff. Maybe Rory Fox. So, and he goes, how about a happy medium? I know you want to be rapid fire in this wrestler. But, and we've been teasing you, you look a little bit like Opie from Mayberry. So I was thinking, how about we combine the rapid with uh, a newspaper boy? So you're going to be rapid delivery, Rory Fox. And, and, and I'm on TV like, yeah, that's great. That's great. <laughs> I, I was not about to bury myself first day in the business and be like, I'm going to argue with a guy with 40 years in business. Oh, I don't, I don't like that. What's, what's Hulk say? I, that, that doesn't work for me, brother. I wasn't about to do that on MTV. <laughs> he could have just suggested anything at that point, and you would have been like, yeah, that's a great idea. Yeah, only <laughs> if I knew then what I know now, yeah, I could say that's, that doesn't work for me, brother, and then be a heel. But no, I was going to be a baby face, so I wasn't about to get all this heat from the start. That's a really good point, though. Like, um, you, you can come out these days not to like disrespect any wrestlers because every every wrestler out in the world you've got to respect the craft and the hard work they put in but there's there's definitely a lot less character work these days than there was in but there's no there's not really many larger than life characters anymore even even somebody like Hulk Hogan who really just had the blonde hair the mustache and the the trunks he, he was still larger than life wasn't he even without having a particular gimmick so I can completely understand where you're coming from it's just a shame Shame that that's gone. I really liked those like occupational. Oh, what was another one I'm thinking of? Isaac Yankum, Kane when he was a dentist. They were everywhere. Everywhere you looked, they had they had these proper gimmicks, and I loved it, man. Um, so I mentioned in I mentioned at the start. Obviously, you've you've made some appearances here and there for WWE and that. And I've I've got to ask, and I'm sure you get asked about this all the time. And I'm sorry if you're sick to death of talking about it. The the Zack Ryder incident. I only um, I only recently actually came across the footage of that. Um, and I know they, it sort of happens in the ring where, where your pants get 
get ripped off. Um, yeah. And even <clears throat> even knowing what I was about to watch, because I'd, I'd, I'd searched for it, even knowing what was going to happen, I was still confused and surprised as, as to it actually happening. So can you please explain for, for my benefit and everybody else, like how, how did your pants rip off so easily for anybody who hasn't watched it? Um, Zack Ryder basically pulls you by the pants, doesn't he? Pretty much by the crotch. Into yeah, the the pull. yeah. Pull the trunks into the turnbuckle. And, but your, your pants just rip, don't they? How I've never seen that happen before. Yeah, they sure did. If, if you would have seen the trunks, they were stitched a completely different way than any other uh, seamstress would ever do them. Right. But here's the thing, though. My whole career, I guess I wore K&H top quality gear from uh, Ohio. And then the other math striker, not the, the, the school teacher, the one, the other math striker that was at HWA and also in Ring of Honor and that, he made trunks and they were really great. And at one point, I got away from them and, and took a chance on this young lady that was making uh, trunks. And see, I was so used to wearing top-notch quality gear. I know it's a, it's a big no-no in wrestling, but I just, I never did it. I never wore underwear under my trunks because I always had these double-thick spandex trunks from K&H and then Matt Stryker. But I took a chance on this young lady and... I, I wore these. I wore these trunks for the three years I lived in Texas. I wore them all over, but I guess that day, and they were pleather, pleather trunks. So, I guess that day they had had enough. But the trunks, usually the seams, they're sewn on the sides together. Yeah. This one, for some reason, had the the seam line at at the below the crotch, and when uh, Matt Cardona. Now, yeah, he's that right then, but I'll say Matt Cardona now. Matt Cardona pulled my trunks. They just went completely up. And, you know, it, it, you can say it was faulty trunks, but at the same time, this is a greenhorn, Zach Ryder, Matt Cardona, that I don't think know what the hell he was even doing. That's great, kid. You're under developmental, but that doesn't mean you know everything yet. Yeah, you know, he's, he got signed out of uh, the Indies after like one year, and he, you know, he's in the developmental for a couple of years. But when he pulled my trunks, though, and I'll take this to the day I die. He pulled my trunks when we we're in the middle of the ring. I wasn't even near the corner yet. This is a spot that's been done for 50 years in wrestling. The, the heel, cowardly heel backs off and then pulls the trunks and the baby face hits the turnbuckle. But because this is WWE and Rory Fox, who's been around over 10 years, is extra talent. By God, we can't let him do enough forearm strikes to actually make Matt Cardona go to the corner to do the spot. We're in the middle of the ring, and he sold two punches, and then he pulls on my trunks, and we're nowhere near the corner. And he, he pulls as hard as he can and takes like a back bump. And, yeah, the, the trunks went, whoop. He can say they were made of dust, but, you know, maybe his skill levels were made of dust at that time. <laughs> like he he does literally drag you like halfway yeah. across the ring and i was like what what's he doing why is what's he doing it from and there every, and everyone blames me just because well he should have had underwear under his trunks well guess what even if i would have had underwear under my trunks it still would have been flapping everywhere and then you would have seen underwear hanging too so either way matt you should have allowed the extra talent to drive you further to the corner instead of trying to be mr no-sell because if you go back and look at that damn footage 
Matt Cardona was a pretty skinny guy then, so he can sell some forearms. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. When 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 would that have been? Sort of like well, it was ECW, wasn't it? So like two thousand and six, seven, that sort of. Yeah, time, yeah. yep. So, yeah. And and he was, you know, the, I understand it. You know, he's he's away from the Ed head, edge heads thing. The, this may have been his second or third match on ECW, and he's still trying to find his way. He's working extra talent to get over his gimmick and you know get over his moves, but. It wouldn't have, I maybe he would have got heat for selling too much for me by yeah. well, you gave that extra talent guy four forearms when we told you one, you know. It's like but <laughs> never. What was um like you, I I've seen you sort of go back and forth every now and then, don't you, on on social media about it. I think it wasn't wasn't too long ago. You still sort of argue about it every now and then. Is it all just in good fun? Like is did he apologize when it happened? Yeah, he apologized years later, but he doesn't realize how upset I was about it. When he went on Talk as Jericho, him and Chris Jericho laughed their ass off for 10 minutes at my expense. I'm in Chris Jericho's book as well about it. And they took great enjoyment in just laughing, you know, at, at, at my expense. And I let him know how much it bothered me. And it got me on Talk as Jericho. And I got to clear the air with Chris Jericho, too. It was, it was great. Did you yeah, ever? Did you, sorry, what? sorry, carry on. Sorry. We do things now in the major figure podcast. I don't know if you follow that yes. at all. I mean, yeah, yeah. if you don't collect figures, you might not know, but we still have interaction on that. But on my birthday, every birthday, he still likes to crack his jokes and show that picture of my ass hanging out on the apron. But see, this year, though, because we don't get along, this year he put, oh, Sorry, not sorry, Rory Fox. Happy birthday. But he also likes to take these shots at me like, oh, you're old or this and that. It's like, because I never had a WWE contract, it's like I'm over the hill. But if you're a WWE legend, it's perfectly acceptable to, to keep wrestling, which I think is total bullshit. And I think it's ageism. If you have the skills to go yet, it shouldn't matter how old you are. Yeah. Yeah, that's been that's been sort of like a hot button topic recently, hasn't it? Because um, yeah. Vince has put out a thing saying that he doesn't want to sign women. I think twenty five or over, something like that. A- ageism has been a really big argument in the last couple of weeks. But I, I yeah, completely like, agree. Uh, like, I completely uh, what's her name from NXT? Taya. What was she? Frankie Monet there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally yeah, like she, yeah. she's considered too old, and she had better mic skills than any of them on there. You know. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. They're in ring skills as well. She's one of the one of the best women's wrestlers in the world. Has been for a number of years. Um, yeah, no, I completely agree. Look at somebody like Edge. Doesn't matter how old you are. Edge is Edge is approaching fifty. I think Bobby Lashley is forty five or forty six, something like that. It shouldn't. But, but if you if you think about it, really, do you think maybe it's with Vince? It's like if he sees young people around him all the time, then he's still young. But if he sees older wrestlers, it's like him looking in the mirror, and it's like a reminder. But if I if I'm around all 25 year old NXT people, then everything I don't know I, I I'm starting to think that a little bit. I don't know why he's so yeah. anti age. Maybe and yeah, I don't think I'd be that way. If I if like I'm 32, if I was if I was like I've I've managed coffee shops and things like that in like my day job, and a lot of the yeah. kids who work there are sort of like 16, 17, 18, and that doesn't make me feel young. It makes me realize I'm twice their age, <laughs> like. Or 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 how stupid they act or their behavior. Now you can't tolerate it. You're like, oh my god. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, did you ever did you ever speak to the lady who made the trunks afterwards? 
I never oh. spoke to her again, no. Oh. <laughs> Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. I'm not surprised. I don't really blame you, but that's fair yeah, enough. I mean, she did go on to some successful things. It wasn't creating gear, but she ended up being the Ring of Honor Women's Champion. Who if you think about, about Who are we talking about? I'm trying to think who. Uh, two or three years ago. Oh, I'm going to have to look into this because I don't even know the name of who it was that made the... Uh, she was married to BJ Whitmer. Doesn't ring any bells. I'm going to Google it afterwards. I'm going to yeah, Google, Google it. Afterwards. Yeah. And anyway, gonna... she used to make wrestling trunks, but you know, getting mm. training from BJ, she turned into a really good wrestler at Ring of Honor. Hmm. Oh man, I'm really intrigued now. I am going to Google yeah. it straight away. As soon as you go today, I'm going to be straight on my phone googling it. And, um, and, right. But but hey, to to her benefit too. You know, I was friends with the guy she was dating at the time back <laughs> then. It was one of those where. I don't know. I don't even know if I gave her any money for it, but I was like, hey, this is going to be on WWE television, you know, the whole brother bullshit. So, hey, whatever happened, happened. The, yeah. the gear looked really nice. I wore it all over Texas. So, unfortunately, it just ripped when I happened to be on national television, you know. <laughs> those, those, those trunks got me through many shows in Texas when fans were spitting on me and throwing drinks at me and everything else. Right, let's let's talk about the other side of WWE then, because you've 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 made a few other appearances, um, faced a legendary Haku like that. That's that's massive, and you had you had a good couple of minute long match with him, didn't you, against Haku? What was what was that experience like? Did you have any concerns going into that? Because obviously he's known for being one of the most brutal, one of the toughest, one of the stiffest wrestlers probably ever. Like, what was what was that experience like for you? Did you did you have any worries at all yeah i was scared of him when when i was a kid i saw him at clash of champions in cedar rapids iowa i was front row to watch hulk hogan versus rick flair the rematch mm. for the wcw championship ming was a bodyguard then this is the night dusty Rhodes broke a chair over his head and he no sold it and he's tongue and death gripping dusty Rhodes. and it's like all these years later i'm like well and the other thing was is i saw this guy when I was six years old at a WWF house show in Cedar Rapids and when he was King Tonga and yeah. 
Yeah, I didn't I didn't know what to expect, but then I talked to him. He was so soft spoken and just very cool. And it goes back to that. If you don't make Haku angry, he's the most wonderful guy in the world. <laughs> and I was so lucky. This was still the era when they still had syndicated matches. Because if this would have been Monday Night Raw, it wouldn't have been a four-minute match. It would have been one minute, no offense, which that happened to me years later against Umaga on Monday Night Raw. But, but anyway, back to this date. In 2001, I had already left Cincinnati. I moved home, and Kevin Kelly was in charge of uh, booking extra talent. And Les Thatcher had never gotten me any WWF opportunities. I depended on him to like send in stuff. But yeah. he's old school. He's like... I won't send stuff in until I feel you're ready because it's my reputation. If you perform poorly, which yeah. like, fine. I moved back home. I'm home for two months. I send stuff in. Kevin Kelly booked me for Minneapolis and Grand Forks, South Dakota. So big shout out to Kevin Kelly for taking a chance on me and giving me that opportunity. And a big thank you to Tony Gurria for booking me in that match. Tony Gurria was around ringside looking for extra talent. He's got the, they got back then they had this board you'd write all the matches on and I'm over there out of the corner of Tony's eye doing Hindu squats. And, <laughs> and, and Tony goes, you don't mind getting beat up, do you? Like, no, sir. <laughs> so anyway, I got selected against Haku and Haku was so nice. He let me hit a missile drop kick. Here I am, this 24 year old kid, 20,000 people. And I get to hit a missile drop kick on Haku. We had a little back and forth in the match as well. And, it would probably still be, it's probably still my favorite moment ever. And the great part was, is I just saw Haku a couple weeks ago in Belleville, Illinois. And I still, I, I just thank him every time I see him. And <laughs> it's so wonderful just chatting with him. I, I actually took a photo. It, it, this is the 20th anniversary of our match. So I thought it was fitting that we got another a picture together. So. Yeah. Mm, very, very, very cool. Like I was going to say, like, I imagine of anything that you've done in the last 22 years, surely that's got to be. Here's the other crazy part, you know, the way pro wrestling world is so crazy. Uh, Haku and barbarian were the faces of fear in WCW and I've wrestled both of them. And and it's so cool. Whenever I see barbarian now, I say, Hey Barb. And he goes, Rory and gives me a big hug. It's like, I get hugs from the barbarian. I watched him in 1988 wrestle the road warriors in the five season center at a superstars of wrestling TV. It just blows my mind, you know? Yeah, man. Absolutely. No, no, I completely understand. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it would do it would be for anybody. Um, but you, you, like you, you've not just had the match with Ryder and, you know, you said Umaga there, there was Heidenreich as well. You've beaten Snitsky, Gene Snitsky as well. Like you've, that's, that's a good few opportunities, a good few, like five or six matches, I think. I, I, wrestled, um, I wrestled Stevie Richards in Corpus Christi, no, in Houston yeah. on ECW. You know, that was another great yeah. opportunity. Yeah, so like how, but what, what always, the thing that I'm always curious about is, A, first of all, like, how do these opportunities come about? I know a lot of them go to like local talent and indie talent and, and people that are just there as extras and stuff like that. But But you've had like half a dozen, like five or six, matches against established well-known WWE superstars and obviously Haku an absolute legend like so a how did these opportunities keep coming about for you how did they keep presenting themselves to you so many times and why didn't we see you more because you were obviously 
known at this point to, to be selected that many times. So was there ever any discussion for you to actually work for WWF, WWE? From my understanding years ago, the, the, the best opportunity for me to get signed was around 2001 because they brought back uh, Tough Enough. And I was that connection by being, being on MTV. That was the front runner, the forerunner to Tough Enough. Because yeah. Kevin Kelly even said in the commentary, who's the next Rory Fox in the making? Tough Enough is a new series debuting on MTV. Yeah. So I, I, I understand Kevin Kelly was trying to help me get signed. But, but otherwise, though, I just kept going back as extra talent. And they just select – it depends where you're at. Like, say, if I'm in Iowa, I can get booked in Minnesota, Missouri, Illinois, you know, Kansas. But you have to wait till they come back around that area. It's not like, oh, hey, Kevin, uh, can, I, can I work your California shows? It's like, no, they got people there. They got people everywhere. Now, if I was six foot three, maybe they'd been like, okay, we'll fly in somewhere. We want to take a look at you. But – you know, being five nine, you got to be Eddie Ben. You, I'm, I'm mixing up names. <laughs> you got to be Chris Benoit, Eddie Guerrero, if you're going to get yeah. signed at five nine, unless you have just charisma coming out the ass, or you just spit this amazing promo. You know, I was one of those guys. I was a good hand, but I wasn't special enough. Yeah. Now, don't get me wrong. If WCW would have stayed around, I believe it 100 in my heart. I would have been in that WCW cruiserweight division because after Chris Jericho left, they were missing yeah. that really annoying charismatic heel <laughs> that just raised hell. And I know I could have been part of that division, but when you get to WWE, I can't tell you how many times I was there when John Laurinaitis was in charge of signing people. I would walk by him and he'd be on his cell phone. I swear to God, I don't think he was always taking a phone call. I think when he saw short guys, like, fuck, I better get my phone out. I don't even want to talk to these guys. Because if you're not his height, he doesn't care. Now, the other time I may have had a shot was when Tommy Dreamer was in there. You know, that's what, that's how that's how Matt Cardona got signed was Mikey Whipwreck trained Cardona. But the thing is, Cardona and Myers are good-looking guys, which I don't blame them for signing them because they were like 18, 19, and they're already pretty good kids. But you have to have some kind of N or B, just an exceptional talent. But, uh, but that's the thing, you know, I, 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 had, I, I did a lot of tapings in Texas. I didn't always get to wrestle. One time I was dressed up as a security guard when the Dudley boys were invading the building because ECW was coming back. Yeah. You know, Paul, it's like, I was like, they're coming, they're coming. Uh, one time, uh, me, Jimmy Jacobs, and these other guys, we were security guards for the contract signing of Triple H versus Batista, Hell in the Cell. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, there's this all cool little things. You don't always get to wrestle, but you always get to be booked. But I will share this thing. That was the closest thing I ever got to seeing what it was like experiencing a Triple H entrance. It's like I'm in the ring watching <laughs> Triple H walk down to the ring with that championship. Hearing, hearing his theme song, it's like, oh, my God, I got goosebumps. <laughs> What's um, So here's another thing that I'm curious about then, especially for somebody that's not, a part of WWE, somebody who's just in for the day or for a couple of days for a recording or whatever. What what is a WWE TV day like? Like what what's what's it like backstage? Is it chaotic? Is it all hands on deck? Do you have to be ready at all times? Because I know uh, I know in recent times there's 
it, it sounds chaotic. Vince McMahon ripping up scripts an hour before the show and then rewriting the scripts and stuff like that. But what was it like on your appearances? Was everybody friendly enough? Did you speak to anybody in management? Was it what, what was the just the sort of atmosphere like? Well, it was just being extra talent. I mean, I was there at one time when we were actually all in the same locker room, but years later, <laughs> the extra talent's in just some kind of little closet and little room. We would we would never be near anything like the Vince McMahon writing up scripts, rip, ripping up scripts and all that. Yeah. It's just pretty much, I think all the boys show up at two, but extra talent, they tell us to be there at like noon. So we go hit catering first. Then we put on our gear and we're just down by the ring just hang her out the ring all day. Maybe just maybe Arn Anderson, Jamie Noble, or whoever will tell you get in the ring and just wrestle around five minutes or say one of the, one of the WWE guys want to work on a new move or they got something they want to do. It's like, okay, bring that guy in here so I can do it. I've seen times where one of the local talents, he was the biggest guy. So, okay, put him in the ring with Umaga. We want to see what he's got. And two minutes in, he kept screwing stuff up. And then he stiffed Umaga. He's like, oh, get out of the ring. And then that was it for the rest of us for the day. It, it just varies. Some days they have more time to put on matches before TV than there's other days you won't even get in the ring. But the thing is, is you just need to be in your gear and be around ringside. Just be ready. Yeah. Yeah, just be ready just in case. Hmm. Interesting. No, I just always wonder because we've all, we've all got this sort of like image in our head of, of being there for like 14, 16 hours being there for the whole day. And just, it sounds like chaos, but I spoke to some people who are just like, no, it's just like a normal day. It's just, yeah. I, 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 could, I couldn't imagine now. Cause I'm, I'm way before the three hour Raws. It's like, if I get there at noon yeah. Yeah. and the it, raw doesn't get over till after 10 o'clock, I was like, Oh, that is a long ass day. And you have to be on your toes all day and say hello to everyone. And, it's just really awkward. Now they make you, I think they make you wear suits and just, oh, get that. Yeah, yeah. I read something today um, <clears throat> when The Rock was there a few years ago, bumped into all the, the Cruiserweight guys, like Mustafa Ali and all of those guys. And they were all just stood backstage completely like suited and booted in their finest, finest suits. It's it's like really, really, really corporate now. Yeah. Seems like it was a lot more relaxed back in the day. But times have changed that times have changed but anyway right so we've we've spoken loads about what you've done we've spoken yeah. loads about wwf wwe i want to know what you're up to now because you're, you're you're still going now aren't you um after like i said after 22 years 21 years in the business so what are, what have you been doing recently what have you got coming up soon well thankfully though i took four years off because i can't tell you i can't guarantee i would still be resting today in 2010 i had just had enough after the whole the trunks being ripped off and WWE wouldn't book me anymore. And it's like, okay, do I just want to wrestle in front of 50 or 100 people? And some of those Des Moines crowds were really starting to irritate me. They were like booing me as a good guy and just like, do I really need this aggravation? I'm tired of being broke. So I, I didn't come back till 2014. And that's when things started going again. But uh, like right now, um, I, I wrestle in Iowa. I'll, I'll do once a month up to Minnesota. I go to the St. Louis area once a month. I do some Kansas City. So I have, I mean, I'm here in the Midwest. So I got my little loop that I like to do. I'm staying busy enough. I would always like to do more, but every now and then you'll see me be a part of the major wrestling figure podcast or live shows. I've done 
I, I did one show that they filmed in New York. Like, I'm, you know, I'm getting flown to New York for bookings to do their live shows or recorded shows that are going to premiere later. I've done two talking shop of manias. You know, I keep getting these little opportunities. And I just make the best of them. And on the indies, you know, with me being one of the more veteran guys on the show, now I get that gift of wrestling the vet, the, the rest, the famous wrestlers from the eighties, nineties and all that. And, you know, I didn't get a contract, but things like that. I really, I really enjoy just to give you a little bit of a list. So it's like, so to you people out there, like you may or may not get a WWE contract, but there are so many great things you get to do. I've wrestled Ricky Morton, Honky Tonk Man, The Barbarian, uh, te- teamed with uh, Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Who else? There's others. I can't even think right now. But I've got to I've got to be a part of all these shows and wrestle legends. Oh yeah, I had a tag match against Gangrel here recently. I've uh, wrestled the Hurricane. But it's like you get you get all these cool things, you know. It's like if you're a really good wrestler and you're known to be safe, you'll get to wrestle superstars you grew up watching, and that's some of the cool little things I get to do now. Very very cool. No, it is really cool. Like like you say, I think people people especially younger kids trying to get into wrestling think, oh, WWE is the be all and end all. Like I have to get to the WWE. But I've spoken to loads of wrestlers that never made it to WWE and a lot of them are happy that they didn't. We've we've seen how WWE has changed just in the last five years. The amount of talent that get cut left, right and centre, they've released like 71 or no, nearly 100, I think, in the last couple of years. All extremely talented people. Like WWE shouldn't be the be all and end all. There's loads of promotions out there now. Loads of places you can be successful. I mean, I, I understand it. I'm a weekend warrior. You know, I have to work a job during the week, but the weekends I travel, I get in my car and I do my shows and, and I love it. I, I sell a lot of merch. I do, you know, I do pretty well. It's not enough to be a full-time job, but I'm not losing money in professor wrestling. And that's the thing with Matt Cardona, you know, my moment's gone. You know, I'm not going to have a WrestleMania moment. I'm not going to get a WWE contract. I may not ever even wrestle for AEW, but I have Matt Cardona. One-on-one, one day, we're going to have that match. That's that's my WrestleMania moment. That's what keeps me going to the gym and staying in good shape is because I want to keep I want to keep wrestling. I feel I feel good, and Matt Cardona can, you know, look down on me, but one, one of these days, we're going to have that match. And you can call me old and Brian Myers can say I suck. But guess what? One of these days we're going to get in the ring and, and we're going to find out. And you're going to rip his pants off. Maybe that too. Do it. I will get his respect. Yeah, absolutely, man. No, I'd love to see that. I really would love to see it. Um, Rory, man, thank you so much for joining me. You've been an absolute pleasure to talk to. Um, I like to do this this very last question for all of my, my guests on this new series. It's literally just yeah. called putting yourself over, like just a few minutes to just sell yourself, anything you've got coming up, why people should be paying attention to you, even if, you know, if, if they did know you before or if they necessarily don't know you. Just just let people know what's so good about Rory Fox and why they should be fans. Well, if you see if you see the heel version of Rory Fox, which could be up in Sioux City, Iowa, I, I don't wrestle like everyone else on TV today. It's like, I want to put on a great show for you. I want to make you mad. I want to make you... <laughs> Stand up on your feet and just pray and wish that my opponent is going to kick Rory Fox's ass. Now, if you may see me in St. Louis 
And I'll be like Bob Backlund. I love professional wrestling. I love my fans. I'm going to do my best to win. Whichever role you see Rory Fox in, you are going to get a show. It's not going to be a five-star. It's not going to be a five-star match, but it's going to be five-star enthusiasm from the fans and from me. And ask for more than that. Cannot ask for more than that. Whether you like them or hate them, boo them or cheer them. All, all I care about is the wrestlers give their all to entertain us. Um, Rory, no. And you have to come to my show and, and see my micro brawler. I do have a micro brawler yes. now. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. saw that posted recently. Yeah, what was that like getting you? Oh, one be... second, let me get it for you. Sorry. <laughs> that oh, must be the dream. Oh, I, <laughs> I, I should have already had it out here, but I apologize. <laughs> very, very cool. Yeah, I've got a few micro brawlers from um, from WrestleCrate, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. So this is one this is one positive out of the negatives of my trunks being ripped ripped off on national television. <laughs> if that wouldn't have happened, Matt Cardona probably wouldn't be talking to me today, and yeah. I wouldn't have any trading cards. I wouldn't have been part of FWF Live. So it it it's like Vince. This is one brilliant line that Vince McMahon has said. Let's turn a negative into a positive. So I've tried my best to turn this into a positive. I have trading cards. I have a micro brawler. Here I am now in, in 2021, you know, and I, I have these things. I have I have a pressing tea store and I'm also on collar and elbow all because of I was given some opportunities. I made the best of them, you know, so yep. it's just if you stick around long enough, you never know what can happen. You got to keep yourself in the game. I've also heard Macho Man say years ago, a wrestler told him I'm going to quit. I'm getting out. And he goes, well, if you quit, you're out of the game. You you got it. You're yeah. taking yourself out of the game if you quit. Yeah, absolutely. That, that like I was gonna I was gonna ask about the micro brawler. Like that's gotta be obviously WrestleMania is the main dream, but having your own action figure, that's pretty cool. I, I imagine that's the dream for a lot of wrestlers. Well, I'm 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 really hoping now the, the major wrestling figures they have the little bendies from like the nineties of those yeah. WWF guys. Yeah, they have that. that. So maybe just maybe there might be a Rory Fox bendy, but uh <laughs> Brian Myers already likes to joke the microballer is the first time only time, but we'll see. We'll see, Big Mouth. The most <laughs> professional wrestler. I think he's the most professional asshole. <laughs> I'm going to clip that. That's a quote. That's a beautiful quote. I'm going to clip that and put it on social media. Um, awesome, Rory, man. Where where can people find you on social media? I am on uh, uh, on Twitter. It's at RoryFox underscore. Instagram, I'm usually putting some stuff on there. I usually I usually share some of my promos on there. Rory Fox, uh, Rory Fox 11 on Instagram, and I have a Rory Fox Facebook page. I'm on ProWrestlingTees.com slash Rory Fox 11. I also have a collar and elbow store, so check me out. Yeah, man, absolutely. I'll put links to all of that in the About section as well for all your social media and that so that people can just click away and find their way there. Rory, it's been an absolute pleasure, man. Thank you so much for joining me, so much for giving me your time. I really appreciate it. I'm loving speaking to you guys on this independent series. I think it's yeah. like I said at the start. It's important to, to give, you know, I don't have the biggest platform in the world, but if I can even just, just get eyes on, on you guys just by, I don't know, a couple hundred more people, then I, yeah. I feel like I've done done a good service because you guys work just as hard if not harder than a lot of the people that we see on the tv who've got these million dollar facilities and and all the tools to go and, and do whatever they need to do and i respect the grind of independent wrestlers 
so so much so um yeah thank you so much for joining me man um everybody who has watched and listened thank you so much like i said at the start please hit subscribe please hit follow wherever you're watching or listening this and i'll hope to see you again next time on it's my wrestling podcast Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.